What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell. The king of D.C. media. Good evening, dear listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Tonight, I have two guests. The first is Jay Chapin, author, actor, and the webmaster of the acting job board, DragonNuckConnects.com. Now, Jay wrote the exciting book, Ben Franklin and the Timeline Rupture, available right now at Amazon.com. My second guest is... Puya Moseni, a SAG-AFTRA actress from New York City. Puya has appeared in Madam Secretary. Okay, so I see Jay is on the line, so let me go ahead and bring him on in. Good evening. Hey, William, how you doing? Fantastic, Jay. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. I know your book was a screenplay at one point, so talk a little bit about why you turn the screenplay into a book. Well, that's a good question, and your listeners should know that's how me and you met. Um, you know, we were taking a class on writing screenplays, and that was the screenplay I was writing at the time called uh, Time Rupture. We changed it a little bit later to Timeline Rupture. and you know, I just uh, really wanted to write this screenplay, and then one of my jobs is as an audiovisual um, aide to uh, marketing firms. Uh, I travel all over the country doing that, and we have nothing to do for like three days sometimes traveling to places like Dallas, Texas, and um, – Denver, Colorado, and things like that. So I read to the guy who's driving. So I read the screenplay to him, and he just loved it. He just thought it was great. And he told me that I should turn it into a book. And I thought, hmm, that's an interesting idea. And eventually I decided, you know something, I'm going to. So I turned it into a book and uh, got a lot of great compliments from it so far. Great, great. So now, if you ever cast this into a film or a TV series, what kind of actor are you looking to to uh, to cast as Ben Franklin? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, the thing is, we've thought about that, and one of the problems that we have is there's plenty of Ben Franklin impersonators out there. And as a matter of fact, I'm friends with one on Facebook. But in the book... Benjamin Franklin was only 46 years old, and we're used to seeing him in his 60s, 70s, and 80s, like on right. a $100 bill, you know? Right. And so we would have to find somebody that could play a Benjamin Franklin in his mid-40s, and, you know, we'd have to do some casting on that one, you know? We'd <laughs> have to have some auditions. <laughs> and, 
Yeah. How long did it take you to write it? Uh, like 34 years. I've had this on my mind <laughs> since I was <laughs> since I was young. I've had it on my mind to write this story. And well, your listeners should hear what it's about. Should I tell you what what it's about? No, or is that on your yeah, on your list? Well, here's the way I have it written out. A depressed college physics professor and descendant of Benjamin Franklin builds a time machine in an attempt to save his wife from the 9-11 attacks. But his plan falls into jeopardy after meeting a high school physics teacher and falling for her. And during their, uh, during their experimentation with time travel, they severely rupture the timeline by transporting Benjamin Franklin to the present, and the fate of the world rests on their shoulders. So the question that I ask is, what would the world be like if there was never a Benjamin Franklin and he ceased to exist hmm. in his timeline? Hmm. Interesting, interesting. It sounds very much like some of the the plots of like some of the old Star Trek series, <laughs> which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you, you know, I love I love time travel. I love time travel movies. I love time travel books. Um, you know, I mean, it started out with me when I was younger, uh, Back to the Future. You know what I mean? And uh, just hooked it. You know, always thinking about uh, what would it be like to be able to either time travel or what would things be like if somebody did go back and use time travel and it changed the present. That was very big on my mind in creating this story. And especially somebody like Benjamin Franklin, who people, you know, first of all, you know, he's very, very popular in historical realm. But people don't realize what a major, major player he has been in creating the United States of America. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he if was he was diplomat. actually missing or gone, you know, I mean, he discovered electricity. He started many establishments. What would it be like if he was missing? So that's what the story is about, and uh you know, it's a, there's a, you know, for those of you who are into romance, there's a good romance uh, part to it. And, uh, you know, especially this guy who's looking to go back in time to save his wife, you know, raise her from the <laughs> dead, so to speak. Exactly. All right. Okay. So what kind of research did you do for the book? You mean on Ben Frank, Ben Franklin, or yeah? <laughs> you know, I read quite a bit. Uh, there's a book that I keep right over here. It's uh, Ben Franklin and American Life by Walter Isaacson. Uh, went through the internet yeah. like crazy, looking at all his sayings, and uh, you know, just trying to make sure I understood and knew him pretty well before I wrote something like this, and. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say I've got them perfectly or I know them because, unfortunately, William, there are no videos of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I did my best to kind of, uh, you know, from what I see and what I read about him, he was just a fun-loving guy, and, he, you know, he 
definitely had a great mind. The fact that he was able to discover electricity and uh, all the different things that he did. And there's a little part in the book where somebody is taking advice from him and he's wondering if, if he should take the advice from him. You know, is it worth taking to his mind? Well, you know, Ben Franklin's on a $100 bill. You would think that he must have, <laughs> you know, he, he must have been smart enough that I should take advice from him, you know, or else he wouldn't have been on, he won't, wouldn't have been on the hundred dollar bill. But, uh, yeah, right. I, I did quite a bit of research and he's just a pretty amazing guy, but you know, there's, there's more to the story than just Ben and there's other characters, pretty quirky, wonderful characters that people would just love to read about. So. Yeah, I mean, like he did everything from like discover the jet stream to inventing bifocals and properly stove and all that kind of thing. So, talk a little bit more about um, your core audience for the book. Well, this is interesting. Right now, just so you understand, right now the book is called on Amazon Benjamin Franklin and the Timeline Rupture. But this is this book is really called the time is called timeline rupture now we pushed it that way and it's up on amazon right now and it kind of looks like you know like it's a, might be a kid's book but we're pushing it towards the science the moment who are into cosplay and comic books and things like that but very soon with i would hope within a week we have like the new edition coming out which uh you know there's no change in the book. It's just the change of the name. Instead of Benjamin Franklin and the Timeline Rupture, it's just going to be called Timeline Rupture with a new cover. And, you know, it's the same story. Everything is the same. So you would have, you know, people between the ages of, I would say, 11 or 12 and up and no heavy cursing or, you know, any sexual innuendo going on. So it's... Uh, you know, a great book for most most people to read. Hmm. You mentioned cosplay. I mean, if Ben Franklin joined the Marvel Comics universe, what do you think would be some of his superpowers? <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to get too much into changing what he is. You know, he's still just Benjamin Franklin, a real smart, intelligent guy <laughs> who had had a lack of fear and knew. You know, you know what the biggest thing about Benjamin Franklin that I took from the whole thing, and yeah. there's even a part in the book about it, but it's just that he wasn't afraid against the British, who at that time were the most powerful nation in the world. And these yeah. guys, him and these other guys that he was with, just had an incredible amount of believing and, you know, that's the word I'm looking for. You know, they, they were just not afraid, a lack of fear. And to go and do what they did and what we have now, we got to thank him and all the people that worked on it together. And uh, taking him out of the equation can would sincerely change things, and that's why I, you know, put the book together. Yeah, I mean, Ben Franklin, he had, he had cojones, and he also had the diplomatic skills to, like, for example, he went over there to France and got a lot of... Uh, Money for the revolution. Exactly, exactly. He uh, diplomatic skills are one of the biggest things that uh, you know. Out of all the things that he did, that was one of the biggest. Yeah. 
Awesome. Exactly. Okay, so talk about sequels. Are we going to see some sequels? <laughs> well, let's let's get the book going, and then hopefully we can sell the screenplay, and we'll see what happens after that. But, you know, I do see this in my mind, being on a screen, and, uh, you know, being that I'm in the entertainment business, I have a lot of people that I've been talking to, and there's there's definitely interest. So we'll see what happens as the book, uh, you know, the book is new, so it's not like, boom, it got out and, you know, millions of people are buying it or anything. But uh, little by little, we're going to hope to get it to the point where the screenplay takes up, take, takes over, and we can start getting it filmed. Yeah, and uh, talk about reviews. Have you had a lot of reviews out there at Amazon? Well, that's the thing, you know, I would love to get more. I have had a couple and uh, some really good good reviews of people who really enjoyed it, but I'd like to get a lot more, you know, and obviously we need people to buy the book, and that's one of the reasons I'm here. All right, all right. And uh, so I know people can get it at Amazon. Uh, what other platforms are there? Is that the only place that it's available? Right now, uh, you can get it on Amazon. As a regular price is twelve ninety five, but right now it's on sale paperback for ten dollars and five cents, and it's also available on Kindle for nine ninety nine. Or if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free. So nice, nice, very good. And all they have to do is either, you know, do a search on Benjamin Franklin and the timeline rupture. Or they could also go on Amazon and they can put my name, Jay Chapin, C-H-A-P-I-N, and it should come right up. And, oh, and they can read the first chapter. And there's a way, I guess, if you're on Amazon and you look up, let's see, on the paperback, I'm looking right now, uh, you could read the, uh, let me see how many chapters. Uh, you could read the first chapter as the paperback has. And then if you go on the Kindle book, they allow you to read the first three chapters. And I dare anybody to take a look at that first chapter and then not want to keep going because there's some really interesting things in, in the opening. I don't want to spoil it. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jay, you talk about those first three chapters. You know, when novelists, I mean, they, they keep talking about the first three chapters, the first three chapters. So what was your, your challenge there as far as uh, – Turning that in and getting it published. Turning, you, you, if yeah. you could repeat that. I mean, was this, I, mean what was, I guess talk a little bit more about the publishing process and, and just honing those first three chapters. Well, it's really Amazon's choice, not mine. You know, uh, I basically put the book on Amazon and then they decide how much they're going to show. So, you know, on the paperback, they show one chapter. On the Kindle book, they show the first three. And like I said, all you got to do is read one, you know, at least the first chapter, and I think you'll be hooked. So, Nice. Very nice. Very good. Okay, so, Jay, I'm going to switch switch gears to uh, Dragonlock Connect. So why should actors sign up for Dragonlock Connect? I mean, what what's the unique power of that website, and why – what really makes it special? Well, first of all, 
let me just say, if there are any Dragonuck people out there, I want to say hi to them if you're listening, and thank you so much for being a part of Dragonuck Connects. A lot of people call it Dragon UK Connects. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it's not from England. It's called Dragon Dragonuck because that's the name of my business partner, Brian Dragonuck, and he is. You know, he started this thing as a Yahoo group many, many years ago. 2000. What was it? Uh, I'm sorry. 1998, 1999. He was on the set of The Replacements which was uh, being shot in uh, Baltimore with uh, Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves. And he just loved being on the movie set. And he started uh, exchanging jobs with people, saying, hey, I heard about this job. And they started emailing each other. And he had like a little group of people who would just email each other every time they heard about a job. And it got bigger and bigger to the you know the Yahoo group, and I was part of that Yahoo group, and I eventually went to Brian uh, back in 2009, I think it was, yeah, 2009, and I said to him, you know, you've had this Yahoo group now for 10 years, why don't you have a website? And he said, well, it's a little bit too expensive for me to build a website with everything that I want on it. He didn't want just a website with jobs; he wanted people to be able to put up profiles and statistics on themselves and resumes and photos and, you know, to show who they are as an actor. And I said, I tell you what, I'll build a site and, you know, just uh, make me a partner, you know? And he said, okay, let's do it. So we got together and we worked on it from July till October of uh, of 2009 until we finally had something up. And then we made it live, and since that time, we've had about uh, 18,000 people join. So uh, our main goal is, you're asking me, get people jobs. That is our life goal. That is our quest. We want to help people get jobs. Sorry, everybody out there who's on Dragonock. I know that we have to put out promotions. I know that, you know, we have to pay for the site. You get emails, you know, this class is starting, that class is starting. You know, sometimes you get to the point where it's like, oh, my God, this dragon puts out way too many of these promotions. But that's the way that we get paid, and that's the way we keep the site up, and that's how you guys get jobs. So, Excellent, excellent. So talk a little bit more about what's the key to having a good profile on the site. A key to having what? Say again? A, a good profile. What makes a winning profile on the site? Well, there's there's two things that you have to understand. Brian is very adamant about everybody having a headshot and a resume on their profile. And if you don't have a headshot and you don't have a resume, when he has special jobs to send out, and we do searches for people. Like, let's say we need somebody who's between the ages of 20 and 30 years old, and they have to have brown hair, and they have to be this weight or whatever. He will not send them to people who either don't have a headshot or a resume. So that's the first thing. The second thing, we give everybody the ability to put in their statistics, you know, their height and their weight and their hair color and everything else. And, you know, just 
to go on the site, if you're a member, go to Manage Profile and just go through the list of every item that you can and make sure that it's full so that when employers do go on the site and when we do searches for people and send out emails for special jobs, you get found. For example, if you don't put your hair color in, we're looking for somebody with brown hair or blonde hair, you're not going to get an email. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, you know, the more you put on the profile, the more you put on the profile, the better it is, the better chance you have of getting getting the special jobs that come out. And then, of course, we have our daily, well, you know, newsletter announcements that we put out somewhere around uh, between uh, 8.30 and 10 o'clock every night, which gives the roundup of all the jobs, announcements, and training that we have available on that day. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, how much is uh, membership currently? Well, membership is free. Uh, We do have the ability to uh, pay $45 per talent, $50 for employers uh, per year, which is not a lot, um, you know, to make make your profile visible for employers to see or if you're an employer, visible so that the actors can see who you are. But, uh, you know, if you don't pay, you still get the newsletters, you can still go on the site and get the jobs. Um, But a paid member also will get the special castings first. But it is free. You don't have the money, you still get that newsletter with the jobs every day. Nice, nice. That's very good. Okay. Okay, Jay, we're going to wrap up here. So talk about any words of wisdom and advice you would give for, first I'm going to say for actors starting out and then for writers. Actors and writers. You know something? Here's what I'll say. and You know, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. <laughs> That's a, a triple never give up. You know, a lot of people, you know, the biggest thing that I see is people come to Dragonuck and they read the newsletter and there's nothing for them in there that night. And they decide this is not for me. It's like, yeah, tonight, tonight there's nothing for you. And then they don't read it the next night. And there's three jobs in there that they could have applied for. My point is, you know, there's just so much out there and it takes work. It takes persistence. And again, Never give up, no matter what. You know, there's life. Life is short, as they say, and there's a lot that you want to accomplish. You know, for me to write this book, I stopped watching TV. I stopped doing a lot of things I normally do. You know, you have some goals in your life. You gotta gotta accomplish them. You you just have to go after them. You know. So I guess that would be my bit of advice: is you know, just just keep. Keep going, never give up. Right. Excellent, man. Keep keep on keeping on. Okay, Jay, man, it's been a pleasure. I'm definitely going to have you on again, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you so much, William. I sure appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great night. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. So uh, my next uh, guest is going to be uh, Puya Mosini, and she is from New York City. 
And I see she's on the line, so let me go ahead and bring her on in. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And it was awesome to actually get to hear your wrap-up with your uh, prior gentleman. He, um, The things that he was saying were very much things that I was thinking. So uh, please please uh, tell him that I, I thank him for saying that because as I was listening, I was like, yes, I, what he's saying a thousand times more. But, Absolutely. Um, Jay, thank Jay you for having me, William. You'll be able to listen to the, the entire show after it's over. I definitely will. Excellent. Excellent. So I see you've done five projects this year. Talk about some of your favorite roles you've done this year. Well, this year I would say I'm going to start from, you know, the biggest and the most excitement, uh, exciting or maybe the one that people have heard about the most, which was when I got cast as a recurring guest star on the new show Falling Water on USA Network. Um, and I I went in for an audition. Um, there were casting directors that I knew because I had auditioned for them uh, prior to that. Uh, they auditioned me for one role that I wasn't right for, and they brought me back in for another role. And then I came back for a final audition with the creative team, and then I booked the role, and, you know, the rest of it just went from there. That, um, as Dr. Duria on Falling Water, that totally you know, changed my career and, you know, it really turned my year around. Um, I was in three of the episodes, which actually the show is airing now on Thursday nights at, I believe, 10 o'clock Eastern time. Um, it, it, you know, now they do shorter uh, seasons, so I'm in three of the 10 episodes of the season and there's still one more episode uh, of mine that hasn't aired yet. So that was probably the... Uh, you know, the the cream on top of all the jobs I had gotten this year. But beyond that, um, I've done a lot of theater this year. I um, got to work with a new theater company in New York City. We did um, uh, a new interpretation of a French play called The Maid by uh, Jean Genet. Um, That was a wonderful experience, you know, to uh, to work on that with a great group of artists over a few months. Uh, prior to that, I had been invited to go to Kansas City Repertory Theater for a week. They were doing the reading of a play that I had done a reading for in New York. Playwright had recommended me, and so they reached out, and I was more than happy to go because it was just a beautiful play. And other than that, you know, I do what New York actors do. We 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 find our people, you know, people we want to work with, and then we keep working with them, or we work with people they have worked with. Um, So the things that have happened this year, uh, I am very grateful for. I'm hoping that there's more coming before the year is out. I'm actually in a play right now for August Strindberg Repertory Theater. Um, It's called Abu Qasim Slippers, and it's a fairy tale. Uh, it's not something I usually work on. You know, it's very light. Um, it's it's very joyful play. 
It has its lessons about greed and love and acceptance and judgment, which seems to be very appropriate with where things are politically in the world right now. But altogether, it has been a very blessed year. Awesome. That's fantastic. So I know that uh, you were on a hiatus for a while. So how was it like coming back? Um, Like the gentleman before me, he said, um, and this is what I found uh, since I've been back, is that you never give up, that it's never too late. I, you know, I gave up acting uh, many years ago. Now, you know, I don't remember exactly, but, you know, maybe 15, 16 years ago. I was younger. I was new to New York. Um, I didn't know my way around. Um, New York was a scarier place, I guess, as uh, someone from the LGBT community. You know, New New York wasn't as accepting as it is now. And to be honest, I think acting found me out again about seven years ago because me finding my way into performance world was almost by total uh, luck. I, I I can't say it any other way because I had gone on this other path. I had worked as a designer for... Uh, a big corporation for many years. I had uh, become a massage therapist. I had my own business. And then I just had this question, this desire, which I'm sure a lot of artists can also attest to, was I felt that I wasn't where I needed to be. And I don't mean financially, but that my soul was was lost. I had not found my promised land. I had not found my people the thing that would make me be happy to wake up every day and make me feel that I was creating something. And, you know, I started taking one singing class and then I took 10 singing classes and then suddenly I took one acting class and the rest of it, as they say, is just history because I took that one acting class and I couldn't stop. And, you know, I took more and then I did headshots and, Then I put myself through an acting conservatory and the people I've met, the the people I've had the pleasure to work with, the people I've had the honor to learn from. um, It's all things that as an actor, as a writer, as an activist, as an advocate, and as a human being, I feel so privileged that I have had these people to teach me how to be a better artist, how to be a better storyteller, how to be grateful for the opportunities that I get, and how to, I think, in my opinion, through becoming a better artist, also becoming a better and more empathetic human being. Um, Because when I came back into acting, I honestly thought that, you know, my time had passed, that, you know, if I wanted to go back into acting in my late 20s, you know, I mean, we all hear stories. Like, if you haven't made it by... I don't know, if you're 20 or you're 25, then it's not going to happen. And I'm here to say that that is all fooey. It's all, you know, you never know. If your heart is in it, if you're willing to work for it, you never know when your day comes. But if you don't, if you don't work for it, if you don't want to put the time in, if you are not going to have faith in yourself, then you're never going to know when your time is because, if we believe in luck, luck is when they say when uh, preparation meets opportunity. 
And yeah. when you're not prepared or when you do not uh, grasp at those opportunities when they come to you, then luck has no opportunity to come to you. Yeah, that exactly, exactly. Yes. So uh, how has the acting business in New York City treated you as a woman of color and a woman of trans experience? Um. Um, it's, uh, thank you so much for asking that question. Um, and this, I'm going to say it out to, to your viewers, some of whom I'm sure are people of color, some of whom I'm sure are women of color, some who are in the LGBT world. I would admit to the fact that um, when I look at the casting, there are less castings that come out for people of color, and then depending on where you fit in the categories within people of color, so if you're African-American or if you're Latino or Asian or Middle Eastern or ethnically ambiguous, uh, I would totally own up to the fact that there are less opportunities uh, come out in you know everyday castings for people of color, especially for women of color. But what I have also learned is that there may be less opportunities, but when those opportunities come, I feel they are they are good characters, especially as more and more people of color are also um, writing, are also producing, are also directing, and they would like to tell their own stories. They would like to tell the stories that resonate with them. Um, so more and more opportunities for people of color are coming up all around the U.S. Um, you know, it's like in Atlanta, in uh, in L.A., um, down in Mississippi. The opportunities are coming maybe not as fast as we'd like them to. I can say that within the last five, six years that I've been looking at the castings, there are more opportunities that are coming. But like any other business, just because the opportunity is not there today, and I think the guest before me said something to that, that if you look exactly. one day and there, and there are no opportunities that day, that doesn't mean the following day there isn't going to be an opportunity. And I tell people about my experience of booking the role on Falling Water because you know, at the time that it came, I was in a very insecure place. I didn't know when my next job was going to come along. I didn't know if it was going to come along. And suddenly one day I get a call from my agent, you know, they want to see you, you go in, they want to see you again for this other role. And, you know, within within literally five days, my career suddenly, you know, changed. And had I given up, which I always tell people, I say giving up for me is not an option. Until I, until I can no longer work, until there's no breath left in my body, I will fight. Because if you want something, you should also be willing to fight for it. Or as I simply say, a, a life worth living is worth fighting for. And if it's not yes. worth fighting, then it's not worth living. You know, um, and I think as an immigrant, as a person of color, as a trans woman, my experiences in life have prepared me for that, that, you know, if you get no's, then you just keep fighting because somebody is going to see you for what you are and appreciate that and respect that, and you might be exactly what they're looking for. 
And if you take yourself out of the running, then not only are you doing a disservice to yourself, but you're also doing a disservice to that person who's going to be looking for you. And you're going to do a disservice for the next generation of you that doesn't have you to look up to. So it's not just exactly. about us, you know, as, as a person of color. I'm sure you also understand we all have responsibilities to ourselves and to the people around us. It is very important to me that the next generation of women, the next generation of women of color, the next generation of LGBT youth that wants to break into this business, I don't want them to think, well, why am I going to do it? No one has done it before me. I want them to look at me or at somebody else, at someone like Viola Davis, at someone... um, like uh, Laverne Cox. And, you know, there are so many examples, but there are examples because these people stood up and said, I'm not giving up. And to your listeners, right. I would say that the worst thing you can do to yourself is to give up because then you're telling yourself and the rest of the world that you're not worth fighting for. And I believe That's everyone right. is worth fighting for. Sorry, I got a little preachy there. That's okay. That's what we're here for. That that's very inspirational. That that's why we're here. So, talk about what you learned from uh, John Pilata. Oh, John Pilata. Um, he, uh, you know, the way he interacts with his students, he brings out the inner life that they have. He, um, you know, in, in a way. He guides the inner soul of the act come out, and then he captures it, and he shows the actor what they're really capable of. So it's like letting the person see what they really have inside them so they will become confident that what they have inside them is good enough to take out there and fight for it and uh, put all the effort in to to make a career out of it. I have great respect for Johnny. Excellent, excellent. So talk a little bit about uh, Maggie Flanagan's studio. What did you, you learn there? Oh, Maggie Flanagan. Uh, that was, I would have to say this, um, the best thing I did for my acting career because I was acting for about two years before I went to Maggie Flanagan's studio, and the two years that I was there, it I'm not saying it was easy. It was hard. It was, um, it was tiresome. It was difficult emotionally, the time commitment and all of that. But now, five years later, I can say that as an actor, as an artist, and as a human being, I have more respect for myself and consequently I know that the people I work with have more respect for me if for no other reason other than the fact that I was willing to commit myself to educating myself because everything else that we do in life, we train for everything else. You know, if you're a carpenter, if you're a plumber, if you're a lawyer, if you're a CPA, if you're a doctor, if you're anything, you get some sort of training. And there are some actors that don't believe in training and who knows, maybe they are so talented they don't need it. 
But for the majority of us, the training doesn't give you talent. What that training did for me was it polished my talent so I had control over my own talent and I could modify it and mold it where I need it and how I need it. And I will tell to your listeners that it doesn't, it's not a matter of if you go to Yale School or if you go to Maggie Flanagan's studio or if you go to John Pelota. It has to be people you connect with. You have to understand the language they speak because I would admit that not all teachers speak the same language, so not every student can connect with every teacher. But invest in your own career by getting trained and becoming the best actor that you can be because only when you become the best that you can be then you will become undeniable. Then you will become that actor that people want to hire. And also, I believe what the training did for me and I think for a lot of people that I went to school with, it gives you a work ethic that nothing can shake. You know, you will show up on time. You will show up prepared. You have respect for your fellow actors. You have respect for the work that you do. You realize it's a collaborative effort, you know, whether it's theater, whether it's TV, whether it's a film. But if you want other people to respect you, then you should respect yourself and you should respect others um, also, because, you know, in this business, you know, reputation gets around. Usually your reputation gets to people before you do. And I always want to make sure that that reputation is as good as I can possibly make it. I don't want people to necessarily like me because I don't have to like everyone I work with. But it helps when I respect the people I work with because then they inspire me to be the best I can. And if you do the best you can and inspire the other people you work with to do the best you can, even if nothing else happens, you've been part of making some great heartfelt art based on love and respect. That's right, what I learned at right. <laughs> so what, what would you say is your, your most powerful tool in your acting toolbox? my most powerful um i'm never too proud to listen i i think um actors when somebody gives them directions some actors take it personally in the way that they feel what they're hearing is that they're not good enough um but believe an actor's best friend and ally is a good director um, a good director can get things out of you that you couldn't even imagine. So I feel it's that, that you are always learning on set, off set, from your um, actor friends when a director is directing somebody else, is that you never stop learning. You never stop learning how to be a better actor, how to be a more respectful actor, how to be a more professional actor. And I think that would be true even if it wasn't about acting that we were talking about. So long as you're always open to learning and so long as you can, you can take constructive criticism well um, and take what you want and discard what you don't, 
you are always going to get better. And what else can anyone ask for, really, William? I mean, isn't that what we all do on a daily basis? We hope that the same mistakes we made a year ago or two years ago. And I think you can only accomplish that when you're always open to learning, when you are never perfect and you can always become better. I would say that is my uh, my strongest tool. Yes. Okay, Puya, so what's your favorite genre to act in? Like, like the favorite, uh, you know, like comedies, dramas, what's your favorite? Well, I mean, this is very personal for me. Everybody loves a good comedy. I personally like more dark comedies, you know, a little twisted. Those are the kind of comedies I like. But I think if somebody gave me an option of what I would like to play in, I think I would like a really good, juicy drama. You know, I have the right temperament for it. I like those kind of stories. I have the right emotional range for that. And so if it was a question of what I would like to play in, I would say first, a really good drama, and maybe second a good, witty, maybe dark comedy. Because, I mean, who doesn't like to laugh a little once in a while? Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Pooja. So we're coming near the end here. So I'm going to ask a fun hypothetical I like to throw out there sometimes. It's going to use your imagination. I can't wait. To play with this question a little bit. Yeah. Um, if you could be a superhero, what kind of superhero would you be? If I could be a superhero... If I could be a superhero, I would be able to affect people's thoughts. Hmm. That's what I would want. Uh, You know, I mean, it might sound a little twisted, but think about it. If you could affect people's thoughts, you don't need any other weapon. You don't. Right. Because if we say that our brain is the strongest thing we have, our greatest tool, then having control over that would be the strongest weapon, right? Right, That would be my tool. That would be my tool. (laughs) That would be my superhero. If anybody's giving out superpowers, please, William, let them know I would like the, you know, mind-altering power, whatever it's called. (laughs) That's what I would like. (laughs) Okay, so how can fans keep up with you? Um, well, I'm on Twitter um, at Puyaland. That's P as in Peter, O-O-Y-A-L-A-N-D. I call it. It's the land of Puya. Or you can follow the hashtag um, Puyaland. You know, I guess I really like the land of Puya. And the same thing on Instagram. But Twitter, you know, people like to follow. I always... Uh, put updates on what shows I'm in or when my episodes of the show Falling Water is coming or any other you know, acting tidbits or advocacy for um, young performers or just young people of color or LGBT community because I believe that a life is only worth how you affect the world around you with it. So I would like to think that I put a little bit of positivity in the world around me in whatever way I can on a daily basis. So if they do, they will see that most of what comes out of my Twitter account is positive, supportive, and loving. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me on, William, tonight. Thank you so much. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, break legs and everything you do. Good night. Thank you very much. Good night. All right, folks. Well, I just want to put out there that you should do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Night. Looking for a show to see this weekend? Look no further than DC Metro Theater Arts. They've got reviews, Q&As with actors, and much, much more. Visit dcmetrotheaterarts.com. That's DC Metro Theater Arts. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death makes the sound. 